Thank you for firing up the Sunrise Church podcast. My name is Steve Garcia, and I am the lead pastor at Sunrise. We are a community of Jesus followers from all walks of life, all colors of skin, and all ages. And I hope this message you hear today inspires you to deepen your connection with Christ. And now, here is Pastor Anthony Riley. Let's dive in. Good morning, Sunrise Church. I'm so happy to be here with you this morning. And we're going to challenge you again this week. For the last two weeks, we've been in this series called We the People. And what we have been wanting and trying to do is getting you fired up, get you ready, because the world is in desperate need of God's chosen people. I don't know if you know this or not, but God has an assignment for your life. And he's requiring you to be bold and very courageous, taking the gospel to the world, because that's what we're called to do. In the first week, Pastor John laid the foundation and he talked about unity within the body of the church. In fact, he used John chapter 17 where, did you know Jesus didn't just pray for the disciples, but he also prayed for you and I. And he prayed that somehow we would understand the message and the hope that's in Christ Jesus. And then not just understanding that, but moving with power and unity to a world that's hurting. The world is looking for the government to fix their problems. They're trying to fix their problems on themselves, but the truth is the church is the bread box. And we're called to bring the word and teach the word to a people that's hurting. In fact, you are one of those individuals. Last week, Pastor John went a little bit further, and he began to preach on how Jesus lived his life. He was not transactional. He was relational. And he gave us a blueprint of how we should interact with one another. First, how we should be Christians, living the right life, so people can get attracted by what we're doing and say, hey, I want what you have. So today I want to continue this conversation on We the People, but this time I want to talk about our mission as disciples of Jesus Christ. Do you know we have a mandate by Jesus to preach the word to the world? In fact, in Matthew 28, it says these words. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you. And surely I'm with you always to the very end of the age. This is not a suggestion. This is a mandate. He's commanding us to go forward and preach the word in such a way that lives are transformed. And now that we can come as a people, we the people, and preach the, preach the word to a hurting world. So if you have your Bibles, I want to be in John chapter 1. This is where I want to begin because I need you to understand the power in God's word. So much so that he wants to use us as vessels and as a vehicle to bring the hope, the help, and the love to a hurting world. And in John chapter 1, I want to start with verse 1. It says, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through him all things were made. Without him nothing was made that has been made. In him was life, and that life was the light of all mankind. Jesus' sole purpose on coming to earth was to seek and save the lost. And there's so much to unpack in this text, I can't spend all day in it. But I want to bring up three distinct things that stands out to me. Number one, the word is eternal. Jesus didn't start his origin in his earthly ministry. Indeed, in fact, 
He was in eternity. Number two, the word is in relationship to God the Father. He is the son of God, and he's always had this distinct relationship with him. And finally, the word is God. Your responsibility and mine is to preach the word. Our job is to preach Jesus. And many of us get ourselves in trouble because we're trying to be God. And we're trying to be someone's savior. However, that's not your role and that's not my role. Our job is to point them to Christ and Christ alone. Verse 6 says this. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to testify concerning that light so that through him all might believe. He himself was not the light. He was only as a witness to the light. Now, John here is John the Baptist, not the writer of this book, of the gospel. And John the Baptist knew his assignment. He knew that he was to testify and then point. He was to get Israel ready for the coming Messiah because they've been waiting for so long and they want to be free from oppression. You and I are still the same. Many of you are still shackled in an oppression because you refuse to hear the testimony of us. But those who have the testimony should also preach in such a way that people can hear, understand, and run to God. And that's just what John the Baptist did. Verse 14 says, The word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only Son, who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. Verse 15, John testified concerning him. He cried out saying, This is the one I spoke about when I said he comes after me because he was before me. Out of his fullness, we have all received grace in place of grace already given. For the law was given through Moses. Grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. I'm so thankful for his grace. I'm also thankful that he's true. Because many of us don't like to hear the truth, but it's in those truths that we understand how we should live, how we should walk, how we should interact with one another. And that's exactly what John the Baptist did. So when he preached this to the people around him, he said, hey, get ready. The Messiah is on his way. He was a forerunner of Jesus, and he's getting their hearts and their minds prepared for that amazing day. And as he preached the gospel of repentance, many came to him. And when he began to ask these questions, and so the religious leaders in the day was like, wait a minute, what's going on? I need to send a delegate that way to find out and investigate. And 19 says this, now this was John's testimony when the Jewish leaders in Jerusalem sent priests and Levites to ask him who he was. He did not fail to confess, but confessed freely, I am not the Messiah. They asked him, then who are you? Are you Elijah? He said, I am not. Are you the prophet? He said, no. Finally, they said, who are you? Give us an answer to take back to those who sent us. What do you say about yourselves? I love how John the Baptist is not taking the place of Jesus. He knows who he is. He's comfortable in who he is. And he says, I'm simply not him. But then he said these words, I am the voice of one crying in the wilderness. Make straight the way of the Lord. 
What I love about John, he doesn't give himself a name. He says, I'm just a voice. And my responsibility is just appointing you and everyone else to him. So don't get me confused. I don't want to be in the spotlight, but it's all about Jesus and Jesus only. I love that. Then it says in verse 24, now the Pharisees who have been sent question him. Why then do you baptize if you're not the Messiah, nor Elijah, nor the prophets? John says, I baptize with water, but among you stands one you do not know. He is the one who comes after me, the, stra- the, the straps of those whose sandals I am not worthy to untie. I want you to see his humility. I want you to see his commitment. He is missionally focused, and his eyes are simply paying the way for Jesus. And the Pharisees couldn't understand this because they had drifted. They was in their own world. In fact, these are the words that Jesus says in Matthew 23. He says the teachers of the law and the Pharisees sit in Moses' seat. So you must be careful to do everything they tell you, but do not do what they do. For they do not practice what they preach. They love the place of honor at banquets and the most important seats in the synagogues. They love to be greeted with respect in the marketplaces and to be called rabbi by others. Oh, it was all about them. They swayed and went towards what they wanted but forgot while they were called as shepherds. And many of us sometimes forget or sometimes drift, but the mission is still the same. We are to go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, not just that, but teaching them all the laws and the rules that we're called to do. And that's exactly what John the Baptist did. He took the back seat and put Jesus in the front seat. He was always looking around saying, where is he? Because I know he's coming. And in verse 32, it says this. The next day, John saw Jesus coming towards him and said, look, which means behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. Then John gave this testimony. I saw the spirit come down from heaven not from earth, from heaven, as a dove remained on him. And I myself did not know him, but the one who sent me to baptize with water told me, the man whom you see the Spirit come down and rest upon, or rest on, who would be baptized with the Holy Spirit. I have seen, I have testified that this is God's chosen one. John the Baptist doubles down. He said, behold, the Lamb of God the one who would take away the sin of this world. In fact, he is the chosen one by God, and he has chosen him to go to the cross. Why? So that we can have a relationship with him and exclusively for him. Then it says in verse 35, the next day John was there again. It's amazing how you should be in the same position because you know Jesus is coming. With two of his disciples, when they saw Jesus passing, he said, look, the Lamb of God. There are many people following John the Baptist, but he always pointed and said, that is the Lamb of God. That's the one who's come to take the sins of the world. Stop following me and start following him. And that's what happened. It says in verse 37, when the two disciples heard him say this, they followed Jesus. 
Now, we know the two disciples. One of them we know is Andrew. Some believe Nathan was one. Some believe John the apostle was one. Some believe it was Philip. But we do know Andrew followed him. And Andrew, they went with Jesus, had this intimate encounter with him for the day. And it says this in verse 38. Turning around, Jesus saw them following and asked, what do you want? Now, I don't know about you. Sometimes I get a little uppity. And, and, and if someone tells me that's Jesus, and I begin to follow him, and he has the nerve to turn around and tell me, what do you want? I don't want nothing. And I might turn around and walk away as some of you in here. And sometimes the preacher gives you a good word, and you don't like to hear it. So you want to get up and walk away. But I'm so thankful that that's not what Andrew and the other disciple did. They said, Rabbi, where are you staying? Jesus said, come and you will see. So they went and saw where he was staying and they spent that day with him. It was about four in the afternoon. I don't know what happened in that conversation, but could you imagine being at the feet of Jesus and you asking, am I going to get married? What job am I going to have? What's my true purpose in life? How are things going to work out in the future? Whatever happened, whatever was discussed, all I know is Andrew was pumped up. Because it says here in verse 41, the first thing Andrew did was to find his brother Simon and tell him, we have found the Messiah, that is the Christ. And he brought him to Jesus. Jesus looked at him and said, you are Simon, son of John. You will be called Cephas, which translate to Peter. Andrew was so excited. He was so elated that I have to go tell my brother. I cannot keep this to myself because he has finally arrived and I have to let the whole world know. There are people out there waiting to hear the good news of Jesus Christ. But it's our responsibility to go out there and say, hey, I want to introduce you to someone that can take away your loneliness, your bitterness, your rage, your disappointment, your anxiety. I know someone, and you and I have to bring them into the room. So Jesus begins to do the ministry throughout the region. He's going from town to town, sharing the good news of the kingdom of heaven. And one day, he decided to select a group of individuals that would be his inner circle. And in Luke chapter 6, this is what it says. One of those days, Jesus went up to the mountainside to pray, and he spent the night praying to God. When morning came, he called his disciples to him and chose 12 of them, whom he also designated apostles. He called Simon, that's Peter, his brother Andrew, James, John, Philip, Bartholomew, Matthew, Thomas, John, Simon, who was called a zealot, Judas, son of James, and Judas, aristocrat, who became a traitor. The reason why I give you that list, because many of us only think about or focus on the big major names, Peter, John, James, Paul, but there are other disciples that was chosen by God in Christ to make an impact. So he pours into them for three years, and then he gives them that commandment. Now that you have seen me work, it's now time for you to work. 
You have seen me put my hands and bless people and take them to me. Now it's time for you to do your job. So now I need you to therefore go and make disciples of all nations. And because you're in here and I'm in here, do you know the word came all the way to us? And now we have the same responsibility to do the same. So the remainder of our time, I want to focus on a disciple who doesn't get much air time. He's only mentioned four times in the Bible, but he's all throughout the New Testament writings. And that person is Andrew. And that's good news for many of us in here because you might not be in the spotlight like a Peter. You might not be the Paul. However, God can still use you. You have to have a willing heart to say, Lord, yes, send me. But let me give you some history about and some facts about Andrew. Andrew was the younger brother to Peter, and they're from the city of Bethsaida. That's very interesting. He brought Peter, his brother, to Christ. Andrew was a fisherman by trade and made his living on the Sea of Galilee. He was a common man, uneducated. Andrew's story is in the fabric of the New Testament, but he's mentioned four times by name. He also is referred to as the first called in the Orthodox tradition because he was one of the first to share the gospel to those around him. And again, that's good news to me. Why? Because you might not never hit the stage. And trust me, you don't want to be up here. It's hot. It's, it's a lot of work. And everyone's looking at you and everything you say. It's, it's hard up here. Everybody can be a Peter, but everyone can be an Andrew. So what are some things that we can learn from Andrew? Well, this is what I want you to write down. Let's, let's take some good notes. Andrew, what he did in his disposition, number one, he, he beat someone who was faithful to Christ. If you're going to take on a posture of Andrew, you have to be someone who's faithful to Christ. He waited on Christ. He used to be the disciple of John the Baptist. He was constantly looking for the Messiah. He, was, he had his hand on the trigger. He had his foot on the pedal because he knew sooner or later he's going to come. So he was faithful in what was in front of him. You can't bring no one to Christ if you're not in Christ. In fact, it says this in, again, Matthew 4, 19. Come to me. Well, come follow me, Jesus said, and I will send you out to fish for people. At once they left their nets and followed him. Now, in the preliminary, Andrew followed Jesus from a distance. He listened to his teaching, but this time Jesus is walking on the Sea of Galilee. And he walks up to Peter and he walks up to Andrew. Come, follow me. Sounds pretty intriguing. Before that, Jesus said, put the net on the side. They cut all this fish. They bring it to the shore. Now Jesus says, follow me. Would you still follow him? When your business is going good, everything is going great, would you drop everything that's in front of you just to follow him? But that's exactly what Andrew and Peter did. He left his business left his family, 
left close friends because he loved Jesus that much. Now, I'm not telling you to leave your job. Don't, don't leave your job and say, I quit tomorrow and say, the pastor told me to quit. That's not what I'm saying. I'm saying that Andrew was told to leave. And that's exactly what he did. But I do want to read this verse to you in Matthew 16. It says, Jesus said to his disciples, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves, take up thy cross, and follow me. The truth is, it's going to cost you something. Once you begin to move closer and closer to Jesus, things are going to have to fall off. You're going to have to decide and choose if you really want him. Many people have left their jobs for Jesus. Many have cut off relationship with friends for Jesus. Many have stopped talking to family members for Jesus. It doesn't mean they don't stop praying for them, but the truth is it's going to cost you something. It's going to cost your time. It's going to cost some energy. It should cost you your money because it's not yours anyway. Everything belongs to him. We're called to be good stewards, but to be one, it requires sacrifice and commitment. And that's exactly what Andrew did. He simply said, yes, Lord, and he followed him. So what are some practical ways and how you can be one who is faithful to Christ? Here's one if you're writing this down. Attend worship service regularly. Do you know the average attender attends church once a month? So 52 days a year, they attend church. But what about the 313 days they're not in church? They're entertaining the world. And how can you be a power broker in Christ and move with purpose if you put more worldly stuff in you than the word? So maybe you need to increase your attendance. Maybe to two, three, four Sundays. Here's another one. Join a small group. Hello. Pastor Steve said that earlier. Are you connected? Are you fellowshipping with other believers? You are who you hang around. If you have not taken rooted, why not? Get in, get plugged in, fellowship, communicate. If you have taken rooted, sign up for a growth group on Wednesday. You're without excuse. Get into a life group. Invite people to your home. If you pour into one another, I guarantee you, you will definitely be one for Christ. Here's another one. Volunteer to serve in a ministry. Many of us are have the consumer attitude. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Come on. Come on. I need some popcorn. Come on with that coffee. You come in, get fed, but you're not feeding the people of God. But here's the truth. There's more joy and happiness in the fee, in the servant of God. I learn more by teaching. So maybe that's something you can do. Here's one. Sacrificially give to God. I'm not going to get in your business, but amen. That's between you and God. But the truth is, the earth is his and everything therein. So there's nothing wrong with having nice clothes, a nice place to live, but it's how you think. And if you're going to be missionally minded, you have to be someone who is faithful to God, and that was Andrew. This is number two. 
bring someone to a relationship with Christ. The reason I'm standing before you because someone brought me to Christ, and that someone was my mother. My mother poured into me on the importance of having Jesus in my life. Now, when I didn't listen to my mother, she brought in my grandmother. And sometimes, Lord have mercy, she used to beat me until I understood what Jesus meant. And when I acted up, she'd call me in a room and she'd get this switch and say, and she'd preach the word. Give it to Jesus. Train up a child in the way he should go. And Lord knows he won't depart from it. Ah! Yes, Jesus! Then she'll leave me alone. I'm kidding, but I'm not. <laughs> but who has preached the word to you? Who has poured in the amazing word of Jesus so that you're here this morning? We should be doing the same thing to those around us. Someone invested in you. Someone took the time to walk you through the scripture. And you can say, well, pastor, no, they haven't. But I would say they have because you're in the room. Now, you might not be saved, but someone has been talking about Jesus to you for an awful long time. And he set it up so that you can be ready. In fact, John 1.41 says this. The first thing Andrew did was find his brother. He said, I got to tell you the good news. You don't have to search anymore. Again, there are people out there who are hurting they're looking for answers in all the wrong places, but you and I have the opportunity to give them the only hope that's really going to make change in their lives. Andrew brought his brother to Jesus. Look at John 12. I love this one because Andrew was not just thinking family. He was also thinking outside the boundaries of what that culture believed. In John 12, it says this. Now, there were certain Greeks or some Greeks among those who went up to worship at the festival. They came to Philip, who was from Bethsaida in Galilee, with a request. Sir, they said, we would like to see Jesus. Philip went to tell Andrew, and Andrew and Philip in turn told Jesus. I wonder why Philip didn't go to James or John or Paul or Peter. Well, Paul wasn't in the equation at the time. He went to Andrew because he knew Andrew was about business. He knew Andrew wanted to make some things happen. Andrew's the individual that found, found a boy with the lunch and said, I got somebody to feed these people. Andrew was always looking and he went to Jesus and he said, we got some Greeks, some unbelievers here and they want to meet you. Listen how Jesus responded. The hour has come for the Son of Man to be glorified. This right here lets me know I was always in the mind of God. Because now it's complete. He says, now the outsider, the Greek, has now come to me. And now I'm ready to be, to be glorified. Send me to the cross. Do you know that Jesus went to the cross for you and I? And he meant with purpose, he meant with passion, and he took the weight of the world on his shoulders. You should have the same passion, the same purpose, 
Because God wants to work through you and in you. Who are you bringing to Christ? Are you being a hindrance or are you bringing them? If you're not bringing them, let me give you some practical ways. Look for opportunities to share Jesus to others. I was in Stater Brothers last Thursday, and this lady walked up to me while I was on an ice cream aisle. Amen. And she, she, she put her card up next to me and said, excuse me, can I ask you a question? I said, yes. She said, do you know Jesus? <laughs> I said, well, yes, I do. I'm actually a pastor, thank you. She said, oh, you're a pastor? I said, yes. I said, well, what's your name? My name's Anthony. My name is Maxine. I said, well, hello, Maxine. I'm still looking at the ice cream. <laughs> Basically telling her, you going about your business. I got something to do. She said, well, you know, it's all about him, don't you? I said, yes, ma'am, I do. She said, you know, God spoke to me about a year ago in my heart. And he told me this was my mission field. So every day I come to Stater Brothers for three hours and walk along the aisles asking people, do they know Jesus? I said, really? I said, okay. She said, and you know how I don't get kicked out? I said, how? She said, I buy an item once a day. I looked in her, in her basket. She had, amen, a package of donuts. Amen. 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 And I said, well, what has been the fruit of that? She said, I don't know how many people came to Christ, but I know a lot of people were saved through my message. She was in her 70s. She'd come to stay her brothers in San Bernardino. She preaches the word of God to maybe saved, unsaved people. That's her mission field. What's yours? Where have God called you to preach the gospel? Is it in your home? Is it in Stater Brothers? Lord knows that ain't mine. Amen. Three hours. Look at the tenacity, the love for Jesus. Is it in your workplace? Where is God calling you to show the good love of him? You have to be willing, this is number two, to get out of your comfort zone. You have to be willing to allow God to use you in such a way that he gets the glory. And that's all she kept saying. It's about him. It's about him. It's about him. Here's another practical way. Expect daily opportunities and expect a great reward. God is going to position you in such a way that you're going to have the opportunity to preach the gospel. And the blessing thing about it, there is a great reward behind that. Now, many of y'all thinking, where's my money? It ain't about the money. You can't buy peace. You can't buy joy, gentleness, love, kindness. That's all a gift from him. So who are you bringing the gospel to? This is the last thing I see with Andrew. You have to be ready to build someone to maturity in Christ. Who are you investing in? Who are you coming alongside bringing the word of God to? 
Yes, you see me appear, but I'm a product of many people who poured into me. Why? Because we connected with the spirit of Jesus Christ. And because they were faithful in building me up, now I'm faithful to build others up. Who are you building up in maturity in him? As I said before, if you look throughout the book of Acts, I cannot run over all the scripture. But you will see Andrew all up in there. He was with Jesus when he gave the mandate, go therefore and make disciples. In Acts chapter 1, verse 13, look at this. Andrew's in there when he was commissioned to go to Jerusalem, go to the upper room and wait for the Holy Spirit. Because without the Holy Spirit, you and I can do nothing. In Acts chapter 2, look at verse 1. When the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. Suddenly a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. Andrew was in the room. That word tongues means various languages. So when they begin to speak about the goodness and the hope of Jesus Christ, everyone heard it that was in Jerusalem in their own native tongue. So much so the word began to spread. Some thought that they were drunker, but then Peter stands up in verse 14 and says, address the crowd, fellow Jews and all of you who live in Jerusalem, let me explain this to you. Listen carefully to what I say. Peter, who was brought by Andrew, begins to preach the good news of Jesus Christ and what happened to him through all those years. And he said, Jesus is the only way. And he began to cut them to the heart, the Bible says, so much so they said, we want to give our lives to Christ. And 3,000 that day said yes to Jesus. And Acts 2.42 says, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Andrew and the other disciples were out preaching the word of God. Again, you don't have to be a Peter, even though he gave the first sermon. Everyone had their feet to the ground. Everybody was walking around saying, this is what Jesus is saying, come to him. And then in verse 46 of Acts 2, and the Lord added, verse 47, to the number daily to those who are being saved. The word began to spread. Could you imagine if everybody in this room tapped three people every day? How many people say yes to Jesus? I love this quote by Dr. Jeff Orge. He's a president of Gateway Seminary. He wrote this book called Shadow Christians. Listen to these words. There are some names in the Bible that everyone knows, but it's not but it is also full of stories with unnamed characters, people who made a difference not in the spotlight, but in the shadows. I can look through this. My mother is not in this Bible. My grandmother is not in this Bible. Joe Flores is not in this Bible. Pastor Jay is not in this Bible. Vincent McDonald is not in this Bible. Doug Diggs is not in this Bible because they were shadow Christians. And everyone in here, you might not be your name in life, but you are in the book of life. And you have a responsibility, just like I do, to bring the word to those and build people up. 
Let me give you a couple of practical ways you can help build people up. One way is you can invite someone out for coffee or to dinner and just ask them how their day is. I guarantee you're going to find a bridge to bring in Jesus. Invite them to your small group. Pray for people and hold them accountable to God's word. Hey, how's your mother doing? How are you doing? How is your relationship? How can I pray for you? What does that look like? You want to continue to invest in others. Invite people to serve alongside you in ministry. Shadow them, teach them, train them. Because it all goes back to Matthew 28. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Teach them what I've taught you. And remember, I'm with you always. How are you doing in these three areas? Are you someone being faithful to God, to Christ? If not, I want to have a conversation with you. Yes, you can get mad, amen, every Sunday we invite people to Christ because we're not naive to think everyone in this room is saved, either in the room or online. So I first want to talk to those who don't have a relationship with Jesus Christ. I want to be the Andrew this morning. I want to be John the Baptist. I want to point you to the way. And the only way you're going to have a great, sustained life is in Christ and Christ alone. So if we can all just bow our heads and close our eyes, this is for you. Maybe you're broken in a broken relationship. Major trials are over flooding you. You turn everywhere and nowhere you find the help and the hope that you need. It's all ephemeral or sort of temporary. I want to first have a conversation with you. In order for things to get right in your life, you have to admit that you need help. You got to admit that you can't handle it. And then you have to be willing to give it to Jesus Christ. The Bible says you must confess with your mouth that you need help. And then it says you must believe that God sent Jesus Christ just for you. And that's personal. But then see, you must commit. You must say, you know what? I'm tired of going in circles. This morning, I want to give my life to you. Jesus. If that's you, I want you to pray this prayer with me. In the silence of your heart, say, Lord, I'm broken. I need your help. I admit that I'm a sinner. I believe that you sent Jesus Christ just for me. And I want to invite him into my life right now. This morning, I'm going to commit my life in a new way. Come into my life. This is my prayer in Jesus' name. Amen. If you made that prayer, I want to be the first to say congratulations. Welcome to the family. But I want you to take a step. I want you to text NEXT at 909-281-7797. We have people behind the scenes wanting to have a conversation with you on what you just committed right now. 
If you're bold and courageous after service, go outside to the next step table. We have people that want to speak to you. Don't leave here the way you came. And for those who have a relationship with Jesus Christ, how are you honoring the mandate of missional assignment from Jesus? Are you bringing others to Christ? Are you building others in Christ? Let's focus on what Andrew said. Let's point everyone to Jesus. Let's be bold and courageous. Amen? Let's pray. Father God, we thank you for who you are. We give you the praise and the glory. Thank you for the examples of John the Baptist, of Andrew, of Peter, and all the other disciples. Thank you for those who brought Jesus to us. May you be glorified. May you have the spotlight, Jesus, and we will be shadow Christians. We take this assignment very seriously. Give us the courage, the power to step out to the streets, the byways, and say, hey, do you know Jesus? May we be the Maxines. <laughs> As we shift gears, Father God, if someone gave their life, I pray that they would take the next step. For all the rest of us, encourage us, Father God, as we shift over to tithes and offering. I pray that people will give, but if they have nothing to give, may they give you their heart first because that's where it all begins. For those who have something to give, may they honor you with their wealth. We thank you. We love you in Jesus' name. And all God's people say, amen and amen. Be blessed. Thanks again for listening to this podcast. I want to encourage you to not just stop here. Maybe you sense God is speaking to you today and wanting you to take that next step. So here's two ways you can do just that. The first is text the word next to the number 909-281-7797. That's 909-281-7797. You'll receive a message back with some ways to help you grow. That may mean joining a small group or finding a place to serve or just talking with someone one-to-one about your faith. You can also visit the notes for this podcast and follow the links provided. And if you're within driving distance of one of our four physical locations in Banning, Ontario, Rialto, or Victorville, we'd love for you to stop by sometime and give us a chance to meet you personally. Again, we want to thank you for listening, and we hope to see you soon. God bless.